So do you get a little tired of everybody as we go into the end of the year talking about all the pressure that these professional golfers feel? It kind of got me riled up a little bit. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf. Thanks for joining me. Really going into a very cool weekend in that we've got the WGC, we've got Rory and Brooks going head-to-head tomorrow, which is super exciting. And we've got the Barracuda Championship going on where anything can happen in the Stableford system and a par five at the end where just the way they set up the points, I mean, all kinds of craziness can happen there. And and that's really what I guess I wanted to talk about today, honestly, is we've got this WGC. None of the players in the WGC have any sort of worry about keeping their card or where they're going to play next year. None of that, right? So all of them are going to get paid this week. There's no cut. It's just one of the bennies of being ranked very high where you can get into these World Golf Championship events, right? And then you've got sort of the other half. And these are the folks that are at Montrose working like crazy to try to work their way into the playoffs, try to work their way into the top 125. So they keep their cards and have some place to play. Although you've got, you know, the web dot, I guess the corn fairy tour. Now I'm getting used to that name. It doesn't make me giggle every time I say it now. The corn fairy tour. Um, so there's some other opportunities. Obviously there's the, you know, challenge tour over on the European side. You've got Asian tours. You've got the South America, uh, tours. You've got the Canadian tour. I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff all over the place for these players to play professional golf. And yeah, you can't necessarily make a comfortable living in some of these other ones, but but this this idea, I guess what kind of got me is I was listening to some of the folks on the radio uh, driving into work today. Yes, Saturday I am working, but I was driving in here and listening to them and they were talking about all the pressure on these, you know, these bubble, these bubble boys. And I, I mean, I get it. I get that there's... Um, <clears throat> I get that there is some kind of pressure, right? Because they want to keep their cards. There always seems to be those individuals that are fighting to stay, right? Um, to stay in it and they're bouncing back and forth. And you've always got those players that drop down and play in the corn fairy tour for a year. And then they make it up into the top 25 and they come back in and you've got like the Matt Kuchers and, and those types that have come in and just sort of stayed once they've been down there, the Jim Furyk's, you know, those kind of guys. So it's, it's a very interesting and it ebbs and flows and, but it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. If they don't make the top 125, there's other stuff going on. And I think that the PGA tour has done a pretty amazing job of creating these unbelievable safety nets for these players. Now there's a lot of, yeah, it's super hard to get on tour. I realize that. There's some really cool stats coming out on if you look at the Monday qualifying scores to get into a PGA Tour event, it's insane, right? I think you have to be like, I think on average, you have to be under 68 or 67 to get in 
on a Monday qualifier. So you have to be super on your game. I get all of it. Okay. I understand all of it, but, and I understand that, that these guys want to, to keep their card and they, they have these dreams and all of it. You know, I, I, I totally understand that. And I, I, I'm trying not to be, I'm trying not to be a jerk on this, but I'm, I'm really quite, I'm really quite stirred up about all of this because the, I, I guess the, what they were inferring this morning as I was driving in is that we somehow or another as amateurs don't understand the kind of pressure that these players are under. And that irked me a ton, a ton. I, I think all of us understand pressures and every single one of us in our own lives have pressures all the time, whether we can, you know, we also have the same pressure of whether we can, you know, make the bill, pay the bills this month or our kids going to go to college. Um, or, or, there's so many different things to stress out and worry about. And so that, that's the first step. That's where it kind of got me initially. It's like these players out on tour. Yeah, I get it, but they play golf for a living and some of them, um, don't seem to really care. I mean, like Brooks, Brooks Kepka really is not a guy who seems to care too much that he plays golf for a living. Like he would be happy doing a lot of different things for a living. Um, but he happens to play golf because he's super good at it. And some of us just don't have that opportunity. We don't have the natural talent, ability, opportunity to get out and play golf, you know, for a living. But to make the assumption that we don't understand what it's like, we don't understand the pressure of what it's like to um, win a golf tournament or try to make a five-footer, I think is absurd. I, I just, that part of it, it's definitely absurd that we understand stress. We know how to, to um, we know what that feels like just in life in general. I think every human being understands what that is like. But for those of us that are amateur golfers and love it, and for those of us that do compete, you know, on an amateur level, whether it's in a state am or whether it's in a scramble here and there, and maybe scrambles aren't the way to go because it's more of a team thing. But if you've ever played in like a club championship or if you've played in sort of match play or any of that, when you want to do well and you want to play well. And that pressure is real when you get to the end. And I go back to, so back in, uh, I, I've, I've talked about this back uh, in 20, I guess it's, geez, I don't know when it is, 2013. I'm trying to see. Yeah, I don't even know where the dang trophy is. Oh, there it is. So yeah, in 2013, I was playing at a club championship and I was, I was doing okay. I was hanging out near the top. I went into the final round with like a four stroke lead or something like that. And I was nervous as can be on the first tee. I was like sick to have a four stroke lead going into the final day of a club championship. I was terrified. And, um, and I, I would argue that. For guys like us, when we go into a final round and they were talking about, you know, Rory and Brooks and the pressure that they have and all of that. And then the, especially those that are in the lead going into, they're talking about Colin Modikawa and how he's trying for his first win and 
and all the pressure that these guys are going to feel. Well, how is that any different to how we feel on the first tee in the final round of a, of a club championship? I know I was absolutely petrified. And to make matters worse, I don't practice every day all day. And, and you all out there who are amateurs don't practice all day every day. We don't. How in the world can we have confidence in our game like these guys have in their games? I don't understand. So if you look at any sort of situation, I mean, who's who's going to be more nervous? Okay, who's going to be more nervous? The professional tightrope walker who's walking across the tightrope over the Grand Canyon or, you know, who practices all day, every day, his craft of walking on a tightrope or an amateur who practices once a week, maybe. And now has to walk across the tightrope. Now, you could argue that on the PGA Tour, the tightrope might be narrower or more lax, more lax. I don't know, whatever, um, that their competition is higher, so they have to play better. Well, okay, but they've also practiced more. They understand their craft more. And so we're out there competing trying to win something where we know full well we're not professional, we haven't put a lot of time into this, and we are just hoping to do the very best we possibly can. So I, this round, this I remember this, the, the last round of, of that club championship vividly because I was um, terrified and trying to stay in the moment. And it was so, so big the, the moment was so big for me, all I could muster was to just stare at the shine of the ball and forget everything else. It was a sunny day, and so I would just try to find where the sun was shining on the ball and hit it. Pick a target and just hit it. That's all I could muster all day long. Now, I went into the final three hole, four holes, and I still had my four-stroke lead. But these four holes go through the lava and it's a very difficult part of the course. And we always laugh that nobody, no lead is safe when you hit the lava holes. And mine was not either, except I got through the lava holes fine, but I got on the 18th hole. I had a three-stroke lead on the 18th hole. And even with a three-stroke lead, um, it's a pretty, it's a elevated tee and it's, it's kind of down the hill. It's at Entrada Country Club. I was terrified. I couldn't feel my feet. And I, I was trying to just figure out how to get it at somewhere down the fairway. And I just remember thinking before I took that club back, I, again, at the moment was getting too big for me. I just thought to myself, just hit it. Don't, don't care where it's going. Don't think about it. So I picked out the shine on the ball and I hit it. I, I didn't hit it overly solid, but I hit it okay. It was somewhere in the middle of the club face and it was out there about 250, 260 in the middle of the fairway. And oh, great big relief, right? Total relief. And I'm like, okay, I've got a three-stroke lead. I got this thing. That that was a problem. You never think you got this thing. I went out on the next uh, on the next uh, shot, shanked it. It hit into the rock wall and bounced across the fairway and went down into the booger bushes. Um, from there, I chunked it out and then had an impossible shot to a front pin, elevated green, where I had to rocket it into the bank have it bounce straight up and land, and I made the putt. Um, so I was, I, I, I got a bogey. Um, the guy, no, 
double bogey and the guy who I was playing with birdied. So we are now even and had to go play in a, a playoff. I, I launched, I, I, again, now I've got everybody around the tee. We have all these, everybody's in golf carts. You know, it's a private club and it's in a, a gated area. So everybody's in their private golf carts. It's a rainbow of golf cart color. And they're all now surrounding us as we go and play a playoff. And it's, it's a sudden death playoff. You know, you win, you know, you win. I hit my drive off into the dirt. I'm so fortunate that all the members were there because they found it for me in the dirt. Um, I then hit it from the dirt, which was crazy, over a sand trap onto the green to about 15 feet. Um, the guy I was playing with split the middle. He, he was the club champion the year before, so that put some added pressure on it. He then hits his ball onto the green till about, to about, um, you know, probably 18 feet. Um, he puts first and leaves his about four feet short. Then I go, I leave mine about three feet short. I mean, we're both just stinking it up right now. Um, he then puts, misses his. I stand over mine now, a three footer. The hole has never looked smaller. I am sick. I feel like I want to throw up, pass out, whatever. I just went back to, um, find some, find the shine on the ball and make a putt. Fortunately for me, it was a pretty straight putt. I didn't have to play it outside the hole. Played it left. I played it right center. It went in on the right center with probably more pace than I should have put on it. But it went in and I won the club championship. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I was sick. I was exhausted. I was done. And I thought to myself as I drove off back up to, you know, have dinner and do whatever. There is no way that a PGA Tour pro feels more pressure than I just suffered through for that round of golf and especially those last few holes. There is no way that they experience because I'm playing a difficult golf course with limited skill. Yeah, I practice here and there, but not like they do. So I just, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to get out and say like, we amateurs understand how they feel when we play in these tournaments, when we have competitive events. We get it. We feel it. And I think that that's why we're interested when we watch them, is they can tell us as much as they want that we don't get the pressure that they're under, but we all know we do get the pressure that they're under, and we feel it when we watch them. And that's part of the draw to watching these guys, especially in the end events, trying to get this thing done. So however this ends up tomorrow, I'm super excited. To, I'm hoping for a close, close round of golf between Brooks and Rory, where they just kind of get two heavyweight fighters just beating the garbage out of each other. I think that would be so fantastic to watch. But I, I worry with, at Rory's, I don't know, his mental stability this year has been interesting, and Brooks just doesn't seem to care. So you'd have to kind of lean towards Brooks being the favorite, even though he's down a stroke going into it. I don't know. We'll see. And then um, who comes out of the Barracuda? Um, there's a lot of guys that are fighting to get into that top one in 25. That's probably the most interesting. You can go with Colin Morikawa as being an interesting story just because he's he's been so close. He's had a second and a fourth. He played really well at the Canadian. Um, you know, he went head-to-head with Wolf right down to the last and, and didn't get it done. Um, 
his swing is so pure. That was the interesting thing too. When he and Wolf were coming down, you'd watch, you know, Wolf swing that is just like this, um, I, I, I don't know, this, this catastrophe in action. And then you watch Morikawa that's just like, you know, it's just like, a, you know, I was going to say fine wine, but I've never had any wine, but like a fine Pepsi Zero, right? Just smooth and, and just, oh, so pure and so fun to watch. You know, you've got a four-year player out of Cal versus, you know, a Oklahoma State guy that came out and, you know, it's kind of two very different individuals for sure and two very different approaches to the game. But I was talking that if I had to choose a swing between the two, I'd take Colin Marikawa's 100%. So selfishly, I'm kind of pulling for him. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, thanks for joining me. We are nervous. We do get freaked out. We understand what the pros are feeling right now in our own way. And that's all I wanted to say. We get it as amateurs. Go out. Have a great weekend this weekend. I hope you get to play some golf. I hope you get to enjoy some golf, and I hope that it is not too stressful stressful for you this weekend, that you have a lot of fun. And until next time, Aaron Stewart from Data Access Golf saying, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.